Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Rob Lamberts, also known as Dr. Rob, for the second time on the podcast. It's been a little over a year since we had a chat with him. Dr. Rob is a TEDx speaker, direct primary care physician leader, medical economics and physician practice, contributing writer, blog writer, and overall, a very inspiring uh, leader in our space. And it's a privilege to connect with him again here on the podcast. Today, we're going to dive into some of the things that he's been up to, as well as uh, some of his thoughts, again, on his topic of focus, direct primary care. So, Rob, just want to welcome you back to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Saul. I enjoyed talking with you last time and look forward to talking to you again. Likewise, likewise. So, you know, folks, if you want to listen to the first interview that we did, we took a real deep dive into direct primary care. It's outcomesrocket.health slash Dr. Rob. The link to this interview will be outcomesrocket.health slash Dr. Rob with a number two. So uh, make sure you go there, check out the show notes, the full transcript. So what's been on your mind? Well, I started the practice, my direct primary care practice, about six years ago, over six years ago. And it was much like a startup. And again, just so that people don't have to go back and if there's anybody out who's listening who doesn't know, the idea of direct primary care is really two main differences. One is that I am paid only by my patients. I'm not paid by any third-party payers. So it's a direct payment directly from my patient. And the second is that basically no insurance, um, right? No insurance, right? I dump any third-party payers, be they insurance and or you know Medicare, Medicaid, whatever. My patients have that, I hope, although a lot of them don't. But I don't have any uh, third-party payers. The second is that instead of paying per visit, I'm paid on a monthly basis. And as opposed to the concierge, the high-end practices, the fee is not very high. It's between 35 and $70 per month, depending on the age of the person. We try and keep it under $100. That's kind of one of the defining features of direct primary care. The focus is just on offering good care and keeping people healthy. And if we manage that well, then we can actually build a pretty stable business model. In fact, I'm up to over 800 patients now uh, that I take care of. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm actually one of the larger direct care practices as far as a single provider goes. And I think a lot of it is just because we've really focused on doing things as efficiently as we can. And I'm still able to give extended visits to my patients, you know, half an hour to an hour, depending on their problem. Yeah. And I've still never seen more than 15 patients in any given day. That's the most I've ever seen. And and that was a crazy day, uh, (laughs) which is hilarious because because you double or triple that number for my old practice for the typical primary care doctor. So it's great. My life is good, although the challenges are very different now. Instead of thinking about finances a lot. It's more thinking about continuing to run the business well, continuing to give excellent care, despite the fact that now my schedule is a little more full than it, than it was for 
the first four years of the practice or so. And, and again, it, my income is actually probably higher than it was when I left uh, my old practice. So it's actually financially, I'm doing really well. So from an overall practice standpoint, I'm gone from typical startups, you'll have that time where you're wondering if it will succeed. And then you have this vision of growth and then you have to consolidate and you have to say, okay, how do I, how do I keep, you know, growing, but don't implode with too much growth, which is a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. It is. Yeah. It's still (laughs) a problem because you could, yeah, one of the main cornerstones of direct care is, is access. And if I get too full, then my patients stop having access. And then why the heck are they paying every month to have access to me if they don't have access to me? And so we're just kind of figuring out how, how to do that. Well, so, I think it's I mean, fascinating. You know, one of the things that I, that I love, and you just, I mean, you, it's so transparent, you know, and I don't know if that's a, a direct primary care thing or a Dr. Rob thing, but you go to drlamberts.org. It's D-O-C-T-O-R, Lamberts.org. And right there on the front page, you see the fee schedule. And it's clear. And there's no hidden costs. And this is, this is awesome. So is this a Dr. Rob thing or is this a, a direct primary care thing? It's a direct primary care thing. The fact is that the, and, and that would be, to me, that's almost ridiculous. It's like saying Amazon their costs are right up front on Amazon. It's amazing. It's like, of course, they're that way because people are paying for it directly. But in healthcare, we're so used to having that third party hide the cost. And that, from my standpoint, is one of the main reasons that there are so many problems in healthcare. But yes, we put all the costs, all the prices up front. People know what they're going to pay if we do lab tests and they have the opportunity to apply their insurance to it. But the truth is, the lab tests are probably about 10%. If they get them through here, they'll pay 10% of what they would pay through insurance. So a lot of folks, even with insurance, especially if they have not met their deductible, they're willing to pay $10 to get labs done by us versus you know, $100, $200 even if they get it done through their insurance. It's just, it's night and day. So we have the prices up front. Too, right? yeah, we're dispensing medications too. And it's interesting because it's not only that that we put the prices of those medicines, but our financial motivation is not to make a lot of money off of those. In fact, our financial motivation, and I tell folks up front, I said, here's here's what my business model is. I want to make it so that you can't afford to stop paying me every month, that it is too good of a service. It saves you too much money to see me. And so you just can't afford to not pay me every month because you benefit so greatly from that or from the access that you get from me. So when I, somebody's like, well, you know, I'm starting on this blood pressure pill and how much does it cost? I say, well, that's a dollar a month or $2 a month, or, uh, you know, this antibiotic is a dollar 50 and people get this look on their face. Like, are you kidding? And, And yeah, well, they experience something that, that people aren't used to in healthcare. And that is getting a good deal. They get a bargain. They, they're like, this is really cool. And then they'll say, well, what's the catch? And I say, well, the catch is that you pay me every month, but I already told you that there is no hit, no trap door. That's going to say, and, and there's an extra fee. No, no, all the fees are pretty much upfront. And, uh, it's it's delightful. 
I mean, your fees are low. Have you thought about raising them a little bit? I have actually raised the fees twice, but it's interesting. First off, I don't really need to. I raised them by $5 twice and people are like, oh, $5. But if you do the math, if you do the math and say, look, I got 800 patients. I know. If I I raise the the fees by $5, right, that's a $4,000 per month increase without any change in my overhead. And that's- Gosh. You're that's, you're offering such a, a service, Rob. It's it's awesome. Right, right. And so, my Amazon membership is ninety nine bucks a month. Oh no, no, yeah. it's a year. It's a year actually. Sorry, a year. Yeah, that is true. But still, it doesn't um, matter. And, what you're doing is above and beyond. Well, it is, and there is always that that debate over at what point in time in raising the price will I will I need to will I start turning people away and such and and so. Finding that that perfect price is a stretch, but if you were um, in Chicago, I, 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 I would be one of your patients. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's good. I, it's a good experience for my patients, and it's a good experience for my staff. And certainly, I after six years, I don't have any of that dread going into the uh, office that I always had before. It's, I can't say, well, it's a party. It's great fun all the time. No, we have, a business, I mean, it is, there's a, a lot of laughing. There's a lot of, of camaraderie, but it's work. And it's gotten more and more that way as we got busier. So that's fine. Rob, so, so tell me something. For the, for the physicians that are currently employed or, you know, just working the traditional way, which is typically just employed by a lot, you know, primary care employed by a large health system, and they're looking for something different. Can anybody do this? What tips would you offer? And what uh, warnings would you would you give? Well, the warnings that I would give are a lot less than I would have given five years ago when I was first starting, because it was hard. Because yeah. when I first started, there was about 100 of these practices in the country I was one of the earlier adopters, and which means I was kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, you have to have a little bit of stupidity and, and just naivete. But I actually kind of knew what I was getting for. And I had a very, very strong vision of what I wanted to do. And so I'm willing to take that risk. Hold my beer. I'm going to go start a new different type of practice, you know, that type of thing. But <laughs> now, I will say, wait, one of the big things that's happened in my life over the past few months, actually, since the start of the year, is that we added another physician to that's working in our office. He's actually not an employee. He is uh, starting his own business. It's a separate business, but it's operating in my office. So Dr. I don't Boland. pay him at all, Dr. Boland. And he is basically wanted to start a direct care practice. And I thought, you know, it would lower his overhead if he's working at my office. He would have our expertise. He would be able to get some of our overflow. And that has allowed him to grow quickly. But plus, he's paying half of my overhead, which is great for me. I mean, that, that actually saves me money. It doesn't cost me anything. It actually increases my own, my own personal revenue. So he has started so fast. And it's not, part of it is because he's there here with me, but part of it is also the atmosphere has really changed the environment. He's, he goes to BNI meetings, this business networking group, and he has all these business folks wanting to make, you know, have all of their employees go, go to him. So he's growing. I mean, he's, he's well over a hundred new patients in the first two months. Or, or the first three months, I should say, of his practice. And, and that's, a, that's way faster growth than I ever 
than I ever, I ever had. So I would say as far as advice goes, find doctors in your area and most everywhere has direct primary care doctors. But now it's especially the, the bigger cities will have it. There are, there are plenty of BPC doctors in the Chicago area and, and they will vary in terms of what services they offer, what they cost and all that type of stuff. But in general, find somebody and be willing to and, and see what their practice is like and learn from them. Right now, we're very much like craft beer industry. We're willing to sit and, and give everybody our secrets because it's not we're not trying to compete with each other at this point in time. We It's this open sharing and there's lots of DPC docs who believe in what we're doing and believe that what we're doing will really potentially have a big positive outcome in the big picture of things, that it actually could have a huge effect on the healthcare system as a whole if it becomes more and more popular. I think it's fascinating. Uh, so, yeah. And, a, yeah. and some great words of, of wisdom for the physicians listening that are thinking that they want to try something new. Definitely dive in, learn a little bit more, visit Rob on his site. So now that you're six years in, what's next? Well, one of the things we're doing is we have potentially four direct care practices in the Augusta area, three of which are just starting up this year. So I was the first and I kind of basically blazed the trail and did all the the heavy lifting. And and these guys are are interested. And actually, there's a a couple more people who are potentially interested in doing it. So I think we're going to see this proliferation of, of these practices throughout the area. And throughout the country, actually, if it's happening in Augusta, it's got to be happening elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But what we are doing right now is saying, okay, let's form a separate corporation. And ours is called the Welcome Health Network. It, you can't find it on the web yet, but it'll, be, it'll exist within the next month or so officially. And the idea is that we can then approach employers. That's the primary goal is that we can approach an employer and say, not just say, here's my practice, you can have all your, your employees sign up with me, but say, we have four practices in the Augusta area, and that allows people to choose their doctors depending on their location and you know availability and such. So the employers are able to offer the service to, that basically says it's to any of the Welcome Health and Network doctors or practices out there. And that allows us to negotiate for even the little bit larger employers to have the concerted effort to be together and even potentially offer some services under that umbrella that we all can benefit from, like radiology or mm-hmm. other lab testing or counseling or physical therapy. or I mean, there are things that we could add that would be available to all members of our network. And we're kind of making this up as we go along, truthfully. But we've gotten the legal groundwork for that. And to be perfectly honest, on my my end of things, I'm 56 years old. And so I'm starting to really think, okay, what's my retirement plan? I did spend a lot of my retirement money building this practice, unfortunately. So I've got to think about creating something that has residual value and potentially residual income that I could be earning uh, once after I'm maybe not fully retired, but even partially retired, that will supplement my income and not be able to do that. So just trying to think ahead on things and also have an overall growth plan. And with Ed coming in and, and taking off like he does, and he's he's actually event, 
very soon, within the year, he's going to be moving out of my office to his own office, which he's not even started. He's not even found a location for yet. But probably next year, this time, I'll be hopefully adding a my own new physician who will actually be part of my practice or a physician extender, a PA or whatever. I, I, you know, whatever, whatever comes available at that time, that's my ultimate goal is to actually then grow this practice and adding Dr. Boland was just a test run. So that's what's occupying me right now and trying <laughs> to think ahead and trying to make sure that I'm offering as good a service as I possibly can. Well, I think it's brilliant and uh, it's wonderful that you are experiencing the success that you are, Dr. Rob, because the value you're offering is huge. And I just you know, thought it'd be great to have you back on to remind the listeners, mm-hmm. whether it be physicians or, or just leaders in general that are getting cared for by a primary care physician, that there's more than just the normal way. And I just, you know, the, the thing that keeps coming into my mind is like, you guys are kind of like the Southwest of the, you know, the airlines, the Southwest of the yeah. of healthcare. And I think yeah. of like, I walk down the, the terminal and I see the big ad that says transparency, you know, <laughs> and that's yeah. what you guys yeah. offer. It's different. You don't have to charge for bags. Yeah. In fact, that's the thing that when people leave our practice and, and actually, it's actually almost like right now I'm at the point where it's like, I'm adding patients, but I've really closed down the number of new patients. In fact, if for people signing up as a new patient, they, it's like mid-May right now. The waiting list is into mid-May, and it's, it's pushing out pretty quickly. And, and yet, I keep, and that's so that I have availability for my established patients, so that they can be seen the day of. They're, you know, Absolutely. We always want to have appointments available so that people can get seen on the day that they need to be seen. But... but I'm kind of in this when people, they're not leaving. Nobody's leaving. So my practice is growing and growing. It's like, that's fine. Although I don't want it to grow too much. And, and it's funny. just kind of a funny problem to have. But when people do leave, for whatever reason, it's like they get insurance and they say, well, I've got insurance now. So I'm going to leave the uninsured folks and they leave. And they're kind of like, yeah, what they realize is, oh, so leaving gives me the opportunity to have worst primary care, that worst primary care than I was having before. And it's like, you know, that's great. I get to wait two hours to get seen. I get to not have questions answered via text message. I get to have all of these disadvantages. And then you have people coming back fairly quickly. And so, yes, we've had that happen often that folks just, they realize it's a totally different experience and a better experience. So, and it's, you know, is it all roses and such? It's all pretty good. I do think that there are some real challenges ahead for that direct care needs to, the direct primary care movement needs to address. I think there are some things that that I've started to alert the DPC community about because everybody is so excited about this model and it seems like it's all good. And the answer is, yeah, so far we haven't really had any opposition. But at what point in time is there going to be a real problem? And actually, in my most recent article in in medical economics, the two big risks that I think is that DPC does actually limit access to some extent that you have as if if all the doctors switched over to direct care practices, there would be 
a question of who would do the primary care for all of these people because the size of the practice shrinks. Now, that being said, Dr. Boland actually was working in urgent care. He was doing a weight loss thing. He wasn't doing primary care. Mm -hmm. And so he is actually adding to it without subtracting. And I think there will be a lot of doctors like especially the urgent care doctors and such who, who are just sick and tired of seeing 100 patients in a day who want to come out and actually practice medicine. And I will say with Dr. Boland, when I asked him, I said, uh, you know, after the first month, say, well, what do you think? And his eyes got huge. He said, this is so great. <laughs> it was, it was very, very gratifying for that. But, so, but I'm curious. But uh, I think overall, yeah. there is this question of how are we going to be able to manage, if 25% of all primary care becomes direct primary care, how are we going to manage that? So the real question is, how do we do that? And I don't know the answer to that exactly. I know that adding mid-levels will help to some extent, uh, but it has to be managed properly. And finding other, innovation only happens when there's pressure to innovate. Yes. So I think that's what we're going to find is we're going to have People come up with solutions to that that will be adopted more by the community that will allow for us to have a, a larger reach and a larger overall patient population. That kind of has to be what, what happens. On the flip side, there's all these doctors. You know, the argument I hear is, truth is, there's so many doctors out there that are ready to quit that it's not a question of shrinking your practice from 2,000 or 3,000 patients down to 500 to 1,000. It's going from zero <laughs> because these doctors are wanting to quit because they hate yeah. primary care so much or they hate doing urgent care that those folks, if they quit, we can actually bring them back and we can bring back a lot of doctors who otherwise wouldn't be practicing at all. That's to me the first big challenge. And, and I think we need to accept that that is a real problem and not dismiss it under the pie in the sky feeling or just the elation we have in so great to practice direct primary care. And it is, but we need to be aware that, that there are some potential problems down the road. And if we don't work on those solutions, somebody else will, will legislate it on our, yeah. uh, on our heads and this that would be bad. This is true. To me, the other insidious problem with direct primary care that we face is that we largely have a bunch of vigilantes out there who are kind of doing stuff on our own and saying, you know, to hell with the system. I'll do whatever I want. You know, I, yeah. you know, and there is that, that wild west kind of, I have freedom. I can, I'm unregulated. I'm, you know, and yeah, not having insurance companies breathing down my neck saying, you have an order to put this person on a statin. You know, why haven't you done that? Because they're in a nursing home, that's why. But you get all these pestering and this interference from all of those layers between the patient and the doctor. And any doctor out there can, can tell you it's, it's really, really frustrating. And, it's, and we get rid of that. Well, that's fine. Problem is, is that you got a bunch of vigilantes. How do you regulate the group of vigilantes? How do we know that somebody, let's say a naturopath or a chiropractor says, I am direct primary care, and they're not. They're chiropractic and they're, they're naturopathy, but you know, it's an un, nobody has, has said this is what it is, clearly defined it legally. Then how do you, you know, there has to be some oversight to make sure, or there's a lot of sure. doctors 
who are selling stuff, who are doing some of this wellness stuff that is on the margins as far as good medical care? How do we make sure that there aren't going to be a lot of folks who are, you know, staining the good name of direct primary care <laughs> or, or who are taking advantage of our good graces at this moment? And guarantee you people will do that. And there has to be some sort of oversight. But oversight in a group that is essentially rebellious in the first place, that's going to be a problem. And I don't know what the right answer is, but I think we do have to you, you know, approach it from the standpoint of it still benefits us to have some degree of oversight. So that's kind of a more of a from 100,000 feet looking down type of problem. It's not a problem that we're experiencing right now, but it will happen. Yeah, um, and it's a good call. You know, we, yeah, yeah. So, so you've obviously given this uh, a thought uh, on a more broad uh, societal level. What are the impacts, folks? If you simply just Google Doctor Rob, you'll find a lot of his work. Uh, if you go to his website at drlamberts.org, you could check out his TEDx uh, um, talk. Really good talk there, and also continue keeping up with the things that he's up to. This has been a lot of fun, uh, Rob. I'm glad that we did this again. And, and what would be your parting thought here for the listeners? Well, for the doctors out there, I, you know, at the end of my, my TED Talk, I say there is hope. We need to keep innovating. We need to not let ourselves be pushed around by the system. The, the essential business transaction within the healthcare community is still doctor and patient. And that if we are able to shrink it back down, the problems with healthcare have come because of all the layers that are interfering between doctor and patient. And, you know, direct care is just one way in which this has been, you know, we just basically tore everything away and we've gone right back to a typical business transaction between I'm offering a service, they're paying for it. That's right. fairly simple. I think innovation needs to happen on all levels and direct care is one innovation. It's not the only one. And we need to be looking at it from that standpoint of how can we tear away all of the interfering layers that are between doctor and patient. I think that's the one thing. And I think that's true with with healthcare consumers as well, is trying to find solutions or business owners or whatever, is trying to find solutions that tear apart the all of that bureaucracy that's between, that's sucking all the dollars out of healthcare. And instead, is focused on actual care. And, you know, your outcomes rocket, what are the outcomes that people are seeking? Well, my patients are seeking that they're not sick all the time, that they're not missing work, that it's convenient, that it's, they're able to have their lives without it running, being run by the healthcare system. And unfortunately, people are more and more feeling like healthcare is a daily, whether it's a financial burden or whether it's a, I'm sick all the time and I can't get in with my doctor and my doctor doesn't listen to me when I'm going in, you know, whatever it is, people are, are fed up with healthcare being such a dominating factor of their lives. And the question is, how do we peel that away? How, how do we, we fix that problem? And so business owners, everybody needs to be thinking it, of it in those terms rather than saying, well, we need a single payer healthcare system or we need this, this and that. You're focusing on the means and not the end. Yeah. And, you know, I always say to those who suggest a single payer system, how, okay, so what's going to control the cost of care? 
in that type of system. I'm not totally opposed to that, although I think primary care shouldn't be covered by insurance. I think that's crazy. That's mm. been one of the worst things that's ever happened is that primary care is not expensive. So why are we covering it with insurance? Why not separate that and make that a non-insurance thing? And then it it takes the hooks of all these other folks out of us, the hospitals or the insurance companies and such. So that's the key for me is is thinking about things from those standpoints, whether it be from a legislative standpoint or whether it be simply coming up with different business model options. And again, is DPC the only one? Probably not. And I care about is that that I'm able to give good care and I'm able to earn enough money uh, doing it and not apologizing, you know, instead of totally saying, well, you're doing instead just Instead of that. saying, I'm sorry all the time, I'm able to say, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry this didn't work out. Yep. Well, this, I'm sorry I had to bring you in for this stupid, uh, you know, to get a work <laughs> excuse. I'm sorry. You know, whatever. All of those, <laughs> those crazy things. Fill in the blank. Uh, and now people are just so grateful when they look at, at you. I mean, it really is pretty amazing still. That is. Well, great closing thought there. And, and uh, Dr. Rob, if folks want to reach out, where do they uh, get in touch with you? Well, you given my, my practice website, you can also go to my blog, which I've been a little slim on writing, although I am planning on doing a lot more writing. Musings of a Distractible Mind, which is in, not just about healthcare. It's about some silly stuff, too. So it's more-distractible.org. And uh, I always joke I did .org because they wouldn't give me .disorg. Uh, you know, I figured that was – anyway, the, the, but the idea, they can, they can find me there. I'm on Twitter, uh, Doc underscore Rob, and wherever. Well, <laughs> no, definitely. Easy to find. Yep, and we'll, we'll post links uh, on the podcast episode notes, outcomesrocket.health slash Dr. Rob number two. And uh, you'll see all that there. Again, just want to say thanks for inspiring us, keeping it light, and doing what you do. Dr. Rob, looking forward to connecting with you again soon. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.